This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and welcome to Invest Talk. By the way, today is August 23rd, 2019. And of course, there's been a lot of news. The market reacted to some tweets from the president today pretty negatively, and we'll talk, we'll get into that a little bit. Market's been going up and down, but mostly to the downside, I would say, in the last month or so. And I don't think we're finished with this correction. I just don't believe we are. We haven't even, it hasn't even gone down 10% yet. So, you know, that would be a normal correction. But, you know, we got to move forward. And that's okay. Corrections are normal. They should be expected and actually welcomed. Because the market can't go on one direction forever. It never does. It does have an upside bias. It will generally go up. But right now, the market is driven by news events. Right now, because there's no earnings reports of, of its significance, and the Fed isn't uh, had its meeting and did, and lowered the rates a couple, three, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, and no, they don't meet again for a little while. So the market's going to be driven by news events, just news things going on in Hong Kong with all that rioting, or you know the battle with China and the trade war. That seems to be the number one thing. So that, we're just going to have to get used to it. All this will buy will be in the behind us someday. It will. I think we're going to be set up to have some very good buying opportunities. That's how I look at it. So let's stay calm and just realize that. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for joining me today. I certainly hope you'll call me today. Any investing questions, anything financial, we'll talk about. And when you do, of course, you take charge and you you decide what what direction the show is going to go. And the advantage is all on your side. So whatever you want to go financially, we'll go there. And remember, our goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom, whatever that definition is to you. And for me, most of us, it means independent thinking with shared sex with everybody. And we all don't work for money. The money works for us. That's financial freedom. We don't work for it. It works for us. Now, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to get you there, and it's up to you to where we, what direction we go, so give me a call. We're live, 888-99-CHART. Quickly, I want to let you know my no-cost portfolio review consultation dates for next Thursday, August 29th in San Jose. Still have one or two remaining slots open, so if you want to meet with me, great. You got to make the effort. In September, I'll be in New York. That is fully booked. I'll be there two full days. Both days are fully booked, but there's a lot of demand, so I'm gonna. I have set up a new a New York date and a new San Jose date because I go there almost every month. So San Jose, I'll be October 10th, and back to New York City on November 7th. November 7th. I realize that's kind of far out, but we're almost through October. I'm August, and yeah, it'll be here before you know it. So don't delay. Head over to the portfolio review page at investtalk.com and register early to get the best time. Now, we can work together on your portfolio if you want to. Uh, my main talking point today, restaurant spending is set to hit a high mark in 2019, about $863 billion. 
Consumers are choosing to spend more of their budget on dining out. And sales at eating and drinking establishments are up about 4% this year. Does this tell us anything about the consumer economy we're in? We'll talk about that. I got some other interesting things. Uh, I want to talk, I didn't get to it yesterday, the LEI, I didn't get to it the day before yesterday, the LEI report. Uh, I want to talk about that, leading economic indicators. And reason, and the reasons some investors are not, you know, some investors that are not required to buy negative rates, negative bonds in Europe and Japan, why they are buying some of those things. Remember, we, we talked about it. People say, well, how come anybody would buy those? When I, and I mentioned that you know, financial institutions are forced to buy negative rate government bonds in Germany and some of the other Scandinavian countries, other places, Europe and in Japan. But there's also reasons why some individuals would do it too. And that's what I'm talking about here, what some individuals are doing. Okay, and I, I never did get to talk about what a retirement will look like to you and your partner, both of you, not just one person, but both of you, and we'll get to that. I, I'm hoping to get to that today. If not, well, I'll try another day. You know, remember, you drive the show. I don't. I just tell you what I'm going to talk about if we can get to it, but the callers come first. Your calls always come first. We're also going to talk about the highlights of the premium uh, KPP premium newsletter today. And the market did not have a very good day. Remember, it was down negative yesterday. Today, it was much more down. The Dow was down 623 points, the NASDAQ down 239, and the S&P down 76. Pretty painful day today. Okay, so let's go to Noel and Napa. How you doing, Noel? Uh, okay, Steve, uh, all things considered, uh, life is good. Uh, but yeah, I've taken a position in cash to be a little more defensive, but uh, uh -huh. I uh, would like, and, and what I have, uh, I'm waiting for the uh, recession to hit because I want to buy some real estate right. over in Nevada, but that could be a year or two down okay. the road, but that's what it's traded for. But in the meantime, right. while I'm waiting, um, I was thinking of putting it in a defensive type stock, and uh, one I've one I've been hearing about on your program with interest uh, is BG Foods. Had no connection to China, and and everybody has to buy food recession or not. Uh, so I would think maybe that might be a pretty good defensive place, and the dividend is really attractive, of course. So, and and if if you agree with that, uh, what would be an entry point for BG Foods? Okay, BGS is a symbol. B and G Foods Company manufactures self-stable foods products such as jellies and hot sauces sold in the U.S. and Canada. And uh, the symbol BGS is we own this stock in one of our managed accounts because it is defensive. Uh, they're going to make a dollar eighty-four this year, a dollar ninety-one next year. Sales have been slowly trickling down two and four percent the last two or three quarters. Before that, they were going up four to ten percent. Um, and the question is, how cheap is cheap? They're currently, I mean, it's a dollar ninety-one. The stock is they're going to make a dollar ninety-one next year, and the stock is seventeen dollars and seventy-two cents a share. That means your PE is nine. The five-year range of the PE. 10 to 25. So next year's PE is lower than its normal range. 
Return on equity is 14%. The dividend is 10%. 10%? Can it afford that dividend? Easily. Yes. So it could maintain it if it want to. But the stock has been in a downtrend for almost a year. Downtrend. So the question is, it finally hit a bottom. It hit the. It went down to this level back at the end of July, bounced up. Now it's back down to this level. So this is a double bottom. And Noel, if it bounces up through this double bottom and makes maybe breaks the 50-day moving average, which today is 1983, that could be a good buy point. But you got to wait till see some strength come into the thing. That's what I would think. Okay. BGS, everybody. It's a good, solid company. Made money forever and ever and ever. Never not made money. I mean, good, solid company. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And let me remind you that we have a fairly new offering, Invest Talk Academy. I did the class yesterday morning. And oh, after about 10 minutes into the class, my internet went down. So I had to reboot everything. But classes usually go pretty smooth. It's an online training class covering a wide variety of financial investment subjects. Yesterday was on REITs, Real Estate Investment Trusts. Okay, and we go in depth on these subjects. Now, can you learn more? Can you learn more at investtalk.com? Yes, you can. Go to investtalkacademy.com. You can sign up there. We're headed into a break, and I'm taking your questions now at 888-99-CHART. Welcome to Friday. It's been a wild ride in the market, so strap on your wrist belt and pop in your earbuds. This is Invest Talk, and now more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. Tell your investor friends and neighbors that Steve Peasley is on duty and taking listener questions now. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So the 10-year treasury yield is 1.57%. The two-year treasury yield is 1.55, a little bit lower than the 10-year. It's supposed to be lower. And this year, it, this week, it's been fluttering up above. The yield on the two-year has fluttered above the 10-year like three times and fallen back down below. So... You know, whenever that's called an inverted yield curve when that happens. And whenever that happens, it usually is a, is a precursor to a recession. Now, we don't know when, how soon, but that's what it has been in the past. And I've talked about this on the radio show. Gold at 1514 per ounce. It jumped up to 1536 during the day after President Trump's, you know, strong trade war treat, tweet that he sent out. The, the trade war is heating up between China and the U.S., I don't think that should be any surprise to anybody else. I really don't. Oil was at $53.84 per barrel, coming down a bit. Gasoline at $2.67 per gallon on average, but way more than that here on the West Coast, thanks to our much higher taxes and our special summer blends. But sometimes we just shoot ourselves in the foot here in California. Not sometimes, a lot of times. Economically speaking, we constantly shoot ourselves in the foot. You know, because we don't support we don't support our corporations very well. We just don't. Uh, Bitcoin was priced at ten thousand two hundred per coin. Uh, Thirty-year fixed rate three point five five percent. 
3.55%. Do you know what the all-time low was? It was in 2012. All-time low in mortgage rate, 2012. Remember, I'm saying all-time. That means it lasts forever. First time. It was 3.3%. We're at 3.55%. Pretty good. So refinancing applications are pretty high right now. And if you haven't done it, if you, this is a good time to start thinking about it. They might even go lower. They might even break that 3.3 record set in 2012. I can eat, I can see it going to three. I can. Because I really think the Fed's going to lower rates again, at least one more time before the end of the year. Maybe, maybe even twice. Depends on the economic numbers. New home sales figures came out, and there was a decrease of new home sales of 12.8%. That, remember... The existing home sales just a couple of days ago was an increase of like 4%. New homes fell 12.8% to 635,000 units. And the average price was down, which is odd because the builder's sentiment has been pretty strong. The builders, the guys that make those homes. So it's odd that the, it would go down that much, but it does. That does tell you that that new home sales market was weak. Will it be? Will it, one month doesn't tell us a lot. It just doesn't. But it's kind of interesting. And here's a fact that many of you probably don't know: Japan has had zero percent interest rates for nearly two decades, twenty years. And it has not spurred their economic growth in their economy. Remember I talked about this day before yesterday. I said zero or negative interest rates are not helping. Why do they keep doing it? Why? That's not going to, they need to do, everybody needs to think about something else. All the central governments, central bankers need to think about doing something else. Driving down interest rates to negative is not helping. China's escalating trade war. They announced uh, 75 billion on tar- uh, tariffs on, on 75 billion dollars worth of goods. So. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and it's easy and uh, it's e- it, it, it is easy to quickly calibrate your risk tolerance anytime by using our free online tool called at InvestTalk.com. We call it Riskalyze. It's a risk questionnaire. It's short. Answer the questions, and you'll get a score, and then we'll tell you about that score. Get your questions in, 888-99-CHART. This is InvestTalk. Summer is moving fast, and your path to financial freedom begins with the right strategy. You've got questions, Steve and Justin have answers. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. 888-992-4278. What do you want you guys want to talk about? My main talking point today, restaurant spending is up, uh, set to hit a mark of, for, in 2019 of $863 billion, with a B, billion. Now, what is what I found most interesting about this article was that, uh, that way back, let's see, i got to make sure I get this correct. Way back in the 19, was it 19, 1955, 25 cents of every dollar was spent on food going to restaurants. Do you know what it is now? So it's 25% of every dollar. How much, do you know how much it is now? 
50% of the food budget of the average person is spent on restaurant food. 50%. So that's a huge, huge part of your food budget, I would think. And right now, there's no recession in the food industry. What's really interesting is, you know, I've been through this many times, right? Recessions. If we go into recession, and I'm not saying we're going into recession anytime soon, but if we go into recession, certain things don't go down. And one of them is spending money on food. Restaurants do quite well in a, in a recession. Yeah, the, 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 some of the restaurant chains will do poorly, but many of the fast food and quick and easy cheap food, those restaurants don't really suffer in a recession. You know what also doesn't suffer? Less expensive entertainment like movies and certain like Disneyland, uh, vacations, cheaper vacations, they don't really suffer that much because many people, you know, are suffering in the recession and they want to get away from it, get a break from it. And they, they now go, they, they may take vacations. They still take vacations. They just do them uh, on a less expensive. They go camping. They go, they just don't go to Europe and spend that kind of money. But, you know, certain things, food and entertainment, doesn't really suffer much in recessions. Isn't that interesting? Remember, I've been watching this forever. <laughs> when I say this, I mean what happens during recessions, what happens coming out of recessions, what happens in a, in a, in a, in a healthy economy, how to determine what, when it's healthy, when it's not. And eating out, people still do that, even in recessions. You don't have to worry about that part now, of course, there's going to be the exceptions, you know, but there, there always is. And someone's going to say, see, you were wrong. But I'm not, I'm talking in general over here. I'm not certain, you know, I'm not saying, well, this restaurant chain, they might do bad no matter if they're a recession or not. You don't know. I'm just saying it's money spent. Uh, money is continually spent on food and entertainment in recessions. Okay. Okay. Um. We 888-99-CHART is our number. Love to talk to you. If you have any questions, let's get them out on the table here. Anything financial, we'll talk about. Uh, we've got the time, and our listeners have the questions. This came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. My name is Brandon. I'm from Austin, Texas here. I had a quick question about Fed's lowering rates in the future and what kind of impact that would have on the economy in the short term. I know they dropped it by a quarter. Um, not too long ago, and it's it seemed to gone negative a little bit since then. Um, I know Trump had talked about raising it or lowering it down by a full point. So I'm wondering, you know, if that does happen, what short-term effect do you think it would have for just the remainder of the calendar year? So love to hear your feedback, guys, and thank you for all you do. Well, remember, the Fed has been very, um, very careful about when and how much they lower rates, right, or increase rates. They do it at a quarter point at a time. If the Fed decides to lower the rates at a half a half a point at one time, which they can do, and they did those years ago, that was not that uncommon. But in recent 20, 30 years, it's been a quarter point at a time. If they did more than that, that would freak the market out because the market would say, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, my God, some, the sky is falling in the economy, even though it may not be so, but the, the market would do that. So they're going to 
if that they will do, they will probably lower a quarter point from a historical point of view. When the Fed has changed directions in the interest rate policy, raising, turning around and starting to raise them, or turning around and starting to lower them. Historically, the Fed has never gone, never not moved in the same direction less than four times. So they lowered the first rate now just recently, right? So historically, if history is to be believed, they're going to lower it three more times because they have never not done it four times in a row, either increasing or decreasing once they change the direction. So I'm going to go with history, and they're probably going to lower rates some more. I think they'll actually lower rate at least one more time this year, possibly two but at least one. Um, and I don't think the market's necessarily going to react negatively because I think the market will already build that in. I think the market's starting to build it in now. It's thinking that, oh, okay, the economy's starting to show some bigger cracks. Remember, if you were listening to this show in the summer, do you remember me talking about I see cracks in the economy? I bet you hardly anybody believed me. But I say, and if I was saying, I see some cracks in the economy. And during that time, it was kind of in the housing area. It seemed like that wasn't as healthy. I, now, we got big cracks. Mostly in the factory sector, not in the consumer sector. You've no doubt heard about the trade war, right? I mean, it's escalating. The U.S. economy is valued at $21 trillion, And the Chinese economy, GDP, is valued at $14 trillion right now. So what was China's GDP back, what was it, back 50 years ago? This is Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Talk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is Invest Talk, and Steve Peasley has added new dates for his no-cost portfolio review consultations in San Jose and New York. You can register now at investtalk.com. And there may still be one or two appointments available for Steve's trip to San Jose this coming Thursday, August 29th. But you better move fast. Head over to investtalk.com. Click on Portfolio Review. And now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Okay, here's the answer. Now, before the break, I asked the market trivia question. Most of China's GDP prosperity has been achieved in the last 40 years. So way back in 1950, following the devastation of World War II, what was the GDP value of the Chinese economy? 
Okay, prior to the initiation of economic reforms and trade liberalization, liberalization nearly 40 years ago, which they desperately needed, China maintained policies that kept their economy very poor, stagnant, and centrally controlled. A communist system, that's how they used to do it. For those people who are too young to remember, Russia, USSR, same thing. That's why the USSR fell apart. China has fallen apart too. The people were starving in both those countries, just like they're starving in North Korea. You can't have central... Yeah, well, I won't get to that. So China was vastly inefficient, and it was also isolated from the global economy. They didn't want to be part of it. In 1979, China opened up to foreign trade investments, and since then, China has been among the world's fastest-growing economies. So here's the answer to the question. In 1950, just... After World War II, the GDP value of Chinese uh, economy in, in 1990 inflation-adjusted dollars was $425 billion. That is a very low number. Keep in mind that a billion dollars is equivalent of $1,000 million, $1,000 million, and a trillion dollars is equivalent of $1,000 billion. In 1978, by 1978, China's GDP had risen to $975 billion, still not a trillion, 1978. And yet China today has a $14 trillion economy, thanks to free, freer, I'll say that, freer economic policies, mostly built on trade with other countries. And I'll say this, mostly built on unfair trade with other countries, because they, they restrict trade into their country. Now, for comparison, 1955 and 1950, just after World War II, the real GDP of the United States, so you get some idea, was $2.89 trillion. Remember, China was $425 billion. China couldn't feed its people. That's why they had that one child per couple, because people were starving to death. Remember they had that one child per couple rule for 20, 30 years? That's going to come and bite them and bite them in the back at some point, by the way. Some some point, because that means you're going to have a lot of older people, not a lot of young people at some point. Maybe 20, 30 years from now. We'll see. Those are interesting facts. I think they're interesting facts anyways. Now we can fit another caller question from our 888-99 chart number. Good afternoon. I just had a question about LK, Luckin Coffee. Curious what your thoughts are. I was uh, looking to buy it. Seems pretty strong. It seems like it's uh, going up. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm from Florida, and I'll listen for your uh, answer on the podcast. This is Luckin Coffee. I've never heard of Luckin Coffee. L-U-C-K-I-N. Luckin Coffee. It is a Chinese company, a retail restaurant. Um, surprisingly, um, three point three and a half billion dollar size company. They don't make money, haven't made money, and they're not going to make money next year. They're going to lose a dollar forty this year and twenty two cents a share next year. Sales growth has been pretty strong. Most recent quarter was up six hundred and twenty two percent to one hundred thirty two million dollars. So it went from seventy one million to one hundred thirty two million in one quarter. And just so you get an idea, two years ago sales were two million dollars. Now it's $132 million per quarter. So that tells you how fast. It's a China-based company engaged in retail sale of freshly brewed drinks and pre-made food and beverage items. And it's an initial IPO. Guys, you know what I think about IPOs. Do not buy them. Do not buy them for a minimum of six months after they come out. 
and you don't have very good history, okay? You just don't. So I, I, my suggestion is to stay away from it. They came out in, uh, in May, okay? The first trade was pretty good at $20, $22. Today is at 18 1879. Uh, I'd stay away from it. Great growth and sales, but you know my philosophy. You don't buy stocks that don't make money. Doesn't make money. Why would I want to buy it? I, I it just you know. Plus, it's not a it's not a tech company. It's a food company, and yeah, food companies have to make money. Tech company, at least you know you grow. The growth gets is can be very spectacular for a long time. This growth of this company is pretty spectacular. Sales growth. But, man, I don't know how it can maintain that. I don't know. I, I don't care for it. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Pisa. I hope you're making the right choices with the money in your 401k. And, candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals and trends and charts, it's pretty difficult to know just when to move in and out. And you really can't really time the market. But there's a lot of, lot of moving parts that you have to pay attention to. And that's where Justin and I can help you. At KPP Financial, we have a math-based models to guide you. We call it that 401k, an active 401k. So if you have a 401k in your office, you and you don't know when to buy or what to buy or how much, to, which, well, we we can help you with our active 401k program. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. So you go. All you do is, to, if you want to learn more about it, go to investtalk.com. It's under Active Four Hundred One K. It's one of our programs, and download it. It's a, it's a math based model, okay, in, in your particular funds. And a lot of times you don't have the greatest funds to pick from, but you know, we base it on your risk tolerance and your funds. So take a look at it. See if you have an interest. I'm taking your calls live, 888-99 chart. This is Invest Talk. And if you live or work anywhere in Southern California or the New York City area, Steve Peasley has added new dates to his portfolio review consultation opportunities. Serious investors understand that a balanced portfolio is essential to achieving financial freedom. And Steve Peasley can sit down with you, analyze your positions, and then offer to make strategic improvements. Steve is at it Thursday, October 10th for San Jose, and he's at it Thursday, November 7th for New York City. There is no cost and no obligation. Don't delay. Head to the Portfolio Review page at investtalk.com and register now. The Invest Talk radio and podcast continues. The phone lines are open. Call with your questions. 888-99 chart. 888-99 chart. 888-992-4278. Time to give me a call. What do you want to talk about? What's on your mind? How about uh, how about this? How about this? A leading economic indicator cuz everybody's talking about worried about the economy and all that thing. Well, we've had June and July's leading economic indicator was kind of negative, one-tenth of one percent shrinkage. So now everybody's looking, uh, that was May and June. So July's report came out earlier this week, and it was up five-tenths of one percent. Remember, after following two down months, leading economic indicator report tracks 10 economic indicators, leading economic indicators, not lagging. 
And they're showing that we're still going to have a growing economy. It's growing probably grows less, but it's still growing. So it's not all that, you know, everybody's so panicking. I see in the news and on the TV and articles, oh, my God, you know, the trade war's going to throw us, you know, oh, no. It's not that bad. Try to stay calm. Our economy do fine if we don't scare the consumers into not spending. It's as simple as that. You know, and obviously the consumers can get scared, but they're going to produce the recession them just because of that, not because of anything else. So it's really interesting to me to follow this, and I've been following this for years, that the consumer, you know, what they do, what they do matters tremendously is what our, where our economy goes. Not what people say, not what corporations are doing, not anything to do with trade, none of that. Does it have an effect? Sure. But this consumer is the driver of our economy. They don't get frightened. Everything will be fine. But they could be frightened easy. They've been frightened before. So the leading economic indicator is saying, hey, we're not going into recession. Not for the next three to six months. That's how far it kind of looks out. That's what it's suggesting. Of course, next month it can turn around and be negative, you know, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But... Interesting. Now, the next report, that will be for August this month. And the KPP Premium Newsletter went out. I distributed this morning to all, all our clients and all the subscribers. This week, the market continued to be volatile, I said, in the first section. And the yield curve swung back and forth, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, and I mentioned that in the newsletter, swinging back and forth. So, you know, it's flip-flopping, and what is it trying to tell us? It's telling us that there's a danger sign, that's for sure, for the economy. Also concerning investors this week was the ISH Market Purchasing Managers Index for manufacturing, which showed it slipped to contraction territory to 49.9. Above 50 is growth, below 50 is contraction for the economy. 49.9. Now, the service sector is 50.9, but that's down from 53 the month before. This is for August, by the way, right now. So this is, by the way, a, 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 a 10-year low for the manufacturing sector of this number and a three-month low for the service sector. So the portfolio management section, you know, investing, I said investing in the stock market is all about taking ownership in a company for your own advantage. And the best way for a company to benefit you is to create shareholder wealth. And the best way to do that is to generate business profits. Okay, well, how do you measure that? And that's what that section is all about. Gross margins, net margins, return on assets, that kind of thing. That's what I discussed on that. And, of course, lots of detail there. So that was that particular section. Stock ideas. I mentioned the second, second largest utility in the United States, which we happen to own in a couple of our account and account and our uh, programs, um, fifty-five billion dollars size, so it's pretty darn big. It pays a it pays over a four percent dividend. If I find that pretty attractive, also I highlighted an integrated healthcare service offering, which processes about one point nine billion adjusted claims annually, and it trades. You know it's. Uh, it trades at a 4P of 9. It has a dividend 3.22%. Consumer Watch. 
I talked about refinancing your mortgage, suggesting that the mortgages come down sharply. It's something starting to think about, and they may come down more, but you got to start, you know, start looking at that. You know, if that is advantageous for you. And I also said, don't take money out. The idea is not to take money out and spend it. The idea is to pay down your mortgage and pay it cheaper. And if you're really smart, you'll get a lower monthly mortgage payment, but you'll pay the same monthly mortgage payment you had before because all that other extra money could go right to the the uh, the principal and pull down your mortgage faster. That's ideal. That's what, That was a newsletter. There's a lot of valuable information there. You call it the KPP Premium Newsletter. It comes out every Friday. It's easy for you to subscribe. Subscribe. Go. You know you can do it directly through investtalk.com. And after subscribing, you can receive the full report each Friday directly in your inbox, your email inbox. Okay? Let's go ahead and grab another caller from 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. Love the show. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. I'm a 20-year-old, and I just a question about long-term growth. I am currently trying to balance my portfolio between growth and yield, and I'm just wondering what I should be looking for as a 20-year-old in terms of my yield. I currently earn around 2.1% throughout all my investments, and I was wondering if I should try to increase that a little bit more. Thank you, guys, and I love the show. Can't wait to hear it. When you're 20, I don't think you should worry about yield. I think you should stay focused on growth. Yield, we're talking about dividend yields or a bond yield, uh, and you shouldn't be focusing on that at 20 years old. You should be focused on companies that are going to be growing over the next 20, 30 years. Until you get 50 or 40. And then you start thinking about, I need to get a little bit more conservative. Because when you talk about yield, you're talking about high dividend paying stocks or bonds. Bonds are much more conservative. And high dividend paying stocks usually are more conservative. Now, obviously, the timing when to do that is, you know, her personal thing. And maybe you don't want to take that much risk. But you, at 20 years old, your focus should be growth. Now, we're also in the part of the economic cycle that growth has been slowing down. So that kind of puts a kibosh in some of the growth stocks, right? So, so, but, you know, I don't want you to fall in love. There's nothing wrong with buying stocks that pay dividends and getting the yield, but I don't, I don't want you to fall in love with that sector at 20 years old, unless your personality is you can't handle the volatility of the market. But so just be very conscious of what you're doing. Uh, young people should be growth oriented, grow their portfolios. This is Vet Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. That's the goal. And our work continues right after this break. So get your questions in right now. 888-99 chart. On the next Invest Talk. Google's giant leap into video game streaming could disrupt a $135 billion industry. That story Monday. But now, Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 
Now, earlier this week and late last week, um, I answered questions and brought up the fact about why would anybody buy negative interest rates, negative bond, uh, government bonds in Japan Japan and Germany and parts of Europe, some of the other European countries. For instance, Scandinavia charges you a half a percent to buy their government bonds. And I said, well, the reason why anybody would buy it is because they're forced to buy them. Okay, and I'm talking about most of the financial institutions, and they are forced to buy them. But individuals buy them too. And what are some of the reasons that they would do it? Well, one reason is they are betting that the rates are going lower. Okay, so they buy a negative interest rate bond of five half a percent, and if the interest rate goes lower, maybe going to a full negative one percent, the bonds they're holding on to will go up in value. And they could sell them. So they're looking for capital appreciation. So those bonds would be bought by individuals for possible capital appreciation. Another, another reason they could be buying them is a currency hedge. Remember, remember they might buy them because their currency is strengthening or weakening, depending on how they run the hedge. And they're just playing, playing the, the bonds and playing as a currency hedge. Uh, so there are some reasons that individuals would be a buyer of their negative government bonds, but but basically, basically, this is backwards. This is wrong. And as I said earlier in the show, China, Japan has had zero or negative rates for twenty years. How is their economy doing? Not very good for all those twenty years. So negative rates don't appear to help. They don't. But central governments still use them, thinking that they do help. Well, I'm not convinced of that. I really am not. I think they need to do something different. Something, And I, and I think they, and you've heard me, I think they should uh, worry about inf- inflation. And since we don't have any, they should inflate the money by printing a lot more money. Forget about the interest rates. Let the market decide that. No one listens to me, probably because I'm not that smart. So maybe they shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> Anyways, but it's not working. I can recognize that. Anybody can see that. I don't know why that's a big mystery. Our anytime listener line number never closes, as you know. The question came in earlier. This question came in early at 888 chart Hey, guys. Cooper in Kansas City. Just wanted to uh, see what your guys' thoughts were on the solar industry is it would now be a good time to start looking at some solar stocks how do they normally perform in the you know economic cycle we're in look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast okay um they do actually do poorly if you want to know the truth because solar the solar industry is so dependent on um on subsidies that it, it it depends on what the government's doing. It, it, that's where they do bad or worse, mostly on if the subsidies are increasing or the subsidies are going to go down, or if the possibility of the subsidies are going to increase or the subsidies go down. Generally, they will go down in a market that's going down because all, you know, all stocks go down. But solar industry panels and those things, it's usually subject now, right this day, uh, based on the subsidies they have. Most of those companies don't make money without subsidies. Remember, even Tesla, 
Tesla and their their electric car, all electric car, they've had a huge subsidy forever. And the subsidies are going to be cut in half, just but were cut in half recently. And the rents are going to go away because they're selling so many cars. But that that subsidy, you know, is what supports solar industry and has forever. And without it, the solar industry doesn't look so hot. Doesn't look that good. So that's how investors react. Well, what is the subsidies? You know, so they they would generally would react with better with a with a democratic president. They would because they probably increase the subsidies for solar energy because of clean energy. They want that. So you know, it's that kind of thing. You don't really you know the, where the economy is. Well, generally they don't do good in a shrinking economy. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Invest Talk program already. It was fast dated in Burmese today. Justin will be here on Monday. I'll be back on Tuesday. And please tell your investor friends that I have added new dates for my no cost portfolio reviews in San Jose and in New York City. Learn more, register now at investtalk.com. Everybody, have a great weekend. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.